I'm Anna Webb. Welcome to A Dog's Life. how you love your meals that's because they're 100% natural balanced and complete and we're going to be jumping on zoom now to talk to vet Dr Nick Thompson about why he thinks we should all ditch the dry Nick welcome to a dog's life oh it's absolute pleasure Anna I haven't seen you for a long time I hope you're well Yes, thanks. No, we are. We're doing all right. The last time I saw you was when I was watching the Raw Food Vet Society annual conference mm. on raw food feeding and thoroughly enjoyed your talks, by the way. <laughs> Bless you. That's really good. We, every, we have one every, every November. So if people are interested, then um, yeah, definitely nip along to rfvs.info, rfvs.info, and um, you'll be able to uh, join the very interesting conversation. And it really is. But just to introduce you really to our listeners, Mm. you're a conventional vet, Mm. a GP vet, but you've studied beyond that to actually become a holistic vet. That's I think that's right. That's exactly right. I've done further training and further uh, research in homeopathy, acupuncture, nutrition and herbal medicine. But uh, the, the, the nutrition side of things is going absolutely wild. I've been, I've been fascinated with uh, raw food nutrition for 25 years now. Uh, just can't get enough of it. But in the last 10 years, Anna, as I'm sure you've seen, uh, everybody is getting, is getting to understand what it's all about and how evolutionary, evolutionarily appropriate, species appropriate uh, nutrition is so, so important. Which is not difficult, you know, you are what you eat. You ask your granny and she said, oh, yes, you are what you eat. And so really, I think what we're doing is we're going back to the future. We are just feeding dogs as they were always meant to be. And none of this ultra processed rubbish that we have been feeding for the last 50 years. We follow each other on Instagram and I caught an image of you looking very hunky, sporting a T-shirt with the slogan, ditch the dry tell us a bit more about this and is this a campaign you're working on at the moment specifically yeah ditch the dry it's the second year we've run it in august Uh, i'm doing some work with pro dog raw the raw food company and uh they bless them are taking uh, time and money to plough into the Ditch the Dry campaign. The the idea that ProDog Raw have come up with is that um, they want to get this message, this really simple message, Ditch the Dry, which actually means get rid of dry food, get rid of ultra-processed food and look at fresh and raw feeding, which is by far the more healthy for our our cats and dogs 
Well, you know, I've been feeding raw, you know, like you, you know, for 20 years. And the beauty of it nowadays is that, A, there's so much choice, which I think is fabulous. And and I guess that reflects the demand, you know, for raw food companies to supply their their service. But it's it's so easy, you know, because it's pre-prepared, which back in 2002, none of these brands existed, you know. And so you kind of had to do it yourself. But there's still seems to be a propensity for for dry food nick why is this oh i think it's because people don't realize that they're feeding ultra processed food you know if you went to your doctor and said right i'm going to feed my children for the rest of this life stage on this processed food i think you get arrested and yet we see adverts for for kibbled foods dry foods on on the internet on the television um you know uh, uh, many vets will uh, will promote it as well and it's basically it's all pervading it's a bit like i don't know asbestos in the middle of middle of the last century everybody was using it and nobody thought twice twice about it and i really think that in the future we're going to look back um, a little bit like we do with smoking now. And, and, and you know, back in the 50s, you'd go and see your doctor and he'd offer you a cigarette. Whereas nowadays we look and we think uh, smoking cigarettes, what a foolish thing to do, you know? And I really think we're going to do that because, oh, well, Anna, I could go on all day about this stuff. So uh, <laughs> you're interviewing me. <laughs> I totally get it, Nick. You know, you you watch telly and you've got these adverts coming on with a beautiful dog running full of vitality through a field and then a bag of dog food comes up on the screen and then people automatically will think, well, if I feed my dog on that, he'll be fit and well and fabulous. Absolutely. I mean, that's exactly what they used to do with cigarettes. You know, they would get a a, a doctor to say, I, I, I smoke camels, you know, and it's it's there's kind of an, an endorsement through the profession for something that's patently not good for you. If you talk to any of the leading nutritionists in the UK, in the States and anywhere in the world, none of them will be saying you need to eat more carbohydrate, you need to eat more vegetable oils, because we know that these things are damaging. They, when, you, when you're exposed to them long term, which is what the big food companies want you to do, they want you to feed their product over a long period, they are damaging. We absolutely know there's science, there's experience, there are uh, surveys of hundreds of thousands of people saying that high carb diets are very, very detrimental. I think that raw food will predominate uh, and fresh food will predominate. And um, one day we'll just look back and say, why on earth did we do so much damage to so many dogs with that stuff called kibble? So you say so much damage to dogs. Explain a bit more then what the ingredients of kibble really is and how that really isn't species appropriate, that term we used for a dog to eat. To make kibble, what what they generally do is you'll get a, a meat meal, which is where you boil down animals and in these rendering plants basically it's just a whacking great vat and you put dead sheep and and, and cattle and the plastic bags they come in and you put ear tags and 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 you just make this big mush 
of food. You then dry that out and there's a fat layer on top. You, you skim that off for later use and you take this powder and you can then mix that with very, very highly processed carbohydrates. You then stick that through what they call an extruder, which is where you heat it to a very, very high heat and so it all comes together you then chop it up into little bits and uh spray it with some minerals and vitamins because you've you know because of the 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 incredible heat of processing that you have to add them back you then add some fat because all the fat has been taken off and often not great fat and fat that 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 that, that goes rancid relatively quickly and then you stick it in a bag with a fantastic marketing campaign behind it and that's how they make and that's the short version that's the that's the <laughs> the edited version of how they make kibble because you can put anything in kibble because it all looks the same it's ultra processed there is now a designation of ultra processed food it's it's where it's a product that is derived from food and so kibble that we feed our beloved dogs is actually it's a product it's not even a food stuff well it's interesting nick isn't it that there's a couple of big brands which we're not going to name obviously <laughs> there isn't actually any meat in those brands there is as as you say the uh rendered so it's meat meal yes. But as we've just described, that's not really the meat that looks like, you know, the chicken running around on the packaging. Yes, very much so. I've just read an amazing book called Metabolical by Robert Lustig, the doctor Robert Lustig. And if anybody's interested in, in this whole thing, then it's, it's a wonderful book to read. And he says, it's not what you eat, it's what they've done to what you eat. And and. Between you and I, I don't think they, they could you know, manufacture more the kibble. If you took a look at a uh, manufacturer, all they do, they get the meat, they mince it up, they add some veggies and they stick it in a freezer. And 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 it's, it's simple, it's fresh and, and you can just order it. It's sent uh, frozen and off you go. And it's it's just honest food where you can actually recognize what you're feeding your dog. Uh, it's got a very few ingredients. Um, the wonderful Michael Pollan says, don't eat food with more than five ingredients, because if there is more than about five ingredients, then it may well be uh, ultra processed. What do you say then to people who might worry about raw, worry that they might like a recent news piece said, that if you feed your dog raw, you're very likely to become totally resistant to any antibiotics because of the big antibiotic resistant gene that apparently has been found in raw dog food. <laughs> I think that that is uh, journalistic hyperbole in order to sell newspapers. And I'm really disappointed. And, and many people, are, I was on holiday when that one broke, so I didn't, but many, many colleagues wrote to them and just pointed out the error of of their assertions i think that it is possible for uh resistant bacteria to be in 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 raw food it is real food it hasn't been sterilized like kibble and so there is a possibility but it's at a very low level if you if you use a a, a company they take great pains to keep the uh product as clean and as, 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 as with as little contamination as possible. And the place I think we should really be concentrating 
to try and reduce antimicrobial resistance is to reduce the amount of uh, antimicrobials that we use with our animals. We need to have fewer animals per farm. We need to raise them much more humanely because when the stress is reduced, then they're less prone to infection. Thus, we need to use less antibiotic. The other thing that I always say when people raise this antimicrobial resistance issue is that the my experience and the experience of uh, everybody, every all every raw feeder, I and you will be the same, Anna. Their number of visits to the vet will drop sometimes by 50, sometimes by 90 percent over the lifetime of the dog. And if you're going to the vet less, you're using less pharmaceuticals, and therefore you will be contributing less to that antimicrobial resistance, which is going apace. And I'm not even going to mention the 80 percent, 80 percent of the total tonnage of antibiotics used in the States, for example, goes into CAFO, concentrated animal feeding operations. This is where they, they, uh, they, they intensively, very horrendously intensively raise pigs and cattle and chicken in order to provide cheap meat. So I think if you want to point a finger at any part of society i think it's our societal desire to produce cheap meat i think meat is a wonderful thing it should be we should eat it if you don't if you choose to be vegan then fine but i think it's very healthy we should eat much better quality much less stressed meat and just eat it much more occasionally and i think that that's sustainable for the future we have got to think of the planet when we are feeding our animals and when we're feeding ourselves Absolutely. And it, and back in the day, we didn't eat as much meat as we do now. Yeah. You know, having a chicken and a Sunday roast, that was probably a once a week occurrence. Yes. And yes, all the fast food chains that have developed and, and so on on a, on a human level. Yes. Of course, industrial farming is awful. But is becoming vegan truly mm. the answer to saving the planet? And Segwaying from that question, Nick, it's kind of all one, really. How ethical is it to make your dog a vegan? Right. Well, I read a, a fascinating book re, uh, recently by um, a guy called Joel Saladin. Joel Saladin is a he farms in Virginia and he's got about 100 acres and his 100 acres is the most productive farm in the in the in the area and he raises cattle and sheep and uh, hogs and chickens and he has and, and they all integrate together and they uh, are powered by grass as opposed to grain because these concentrated animal feeding operations they require lots of soya lots of lots of uh, corn in order to make these poor animals grow really fast. And in order to produce that much corn and soya, for example, you've got to fertilize like mad. And when you produce fertilizer, this is artificial fertilizer, you produce masses of nitrates, nitrous oxide, which is 300 times more greenhouse gas effect than something like methane, methane which um, cattle fart and burp uh, all day long. So if 
we were to get rid of uh, all our all our cattle or stop eating cattle and pigs and what have you we would not be able to have these integrated farming practices and we would be much much more reliant on artificial on synthetic fertilizers which are massively damaging to the environment so i think the idea that we can just stop eating meat, I think is not really based in, in the real world. The guy to read on this is Joel Saladin, and um, he, he's, he's fantastic to read. The other part of the question was, should we feed dogs as vegeta uh, vegetarian or even vegan? And I think absolutely not. And here's the reason why. I think that you and I can choose to eat how we like our dogs, who are carnivores cannot. And I think that feeding a carnivore as a vegetarian or a vegan is actually completely inappropriate. It's like having a horse and feeding it hamburgers, mm. not clever in the slightest. So, you know, are dogs carnivores? Well, actually the idea of an omnivore and a carnivore, it's very, very, uh, they're not very good terminology but if we use a, that terminology you and i are in the middle we are we are an, uh, an omnivore and so we can be quite uh, quite carnivorous like an argentine lorry driver <laughs> or we could be quite uh, uh, herbivorous um, and become vegan and we can make that choice and we can live with that and we can we can you know see we can look at ourselves and say how do i feel or oh, i need a bit more bit vitamin b12 or whatever it might be Whereas the dog, they are dependent on us and they are telling us that, that from their, 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 their dentition to their short gut, to their highly expandable um, stomach, to their metabolism, everything about that screams that they are, uh, they are what they call facultative carnivores. That means that they, they've kind of got a foot in carnivory and a foot way up at the top end of omnivory but given the choice they will eat meat and i think we should feed them meat dogs and wolves and 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 dingoes and what have you they will eat berries if they are available and they're really really hungry they will eat grass a little bit here and there but that doesn't mean that we should feed them as vegan. So I think anybody who's considering feeding a dog as a vegan, I totally know where you're coming from, but I do think you need to think again. No, I, I couldn't agree more with you, Nick, to be honest with you. But um, these days, certainly in, in the press, dogs are now being billed as omnivores. Now, yeah. I know there was a study in 2013. Um, it was a Swedish study by a group of people, Axelson, yes. And yeah. they proclaimed in 2013 that dogs are not carnivores and they are omnivores. Obviously, you yeah. have to wonder, you know, who commissioned the research, but perhaps yeah. I'm a little bit um, of a conspiracy theorist. But so where are we on the scale then with this enzyme called amylase? Because we have loads of it, don't we, amylase? Because we are omnivores. So do chimpanzees have loads of amylase. Wolves have yeah. absolutely no amylase whatsoever. So mm -hmm. why are dogs suddenly being called um, an omnivore? Because being an omnivore, you need to have a lot of amylase in your system to digest starch. Yeah, they're talking about um, uh, amylase in the saliva and, and dogs have virtually nil amylase, which is another of, you know, I just gave you a list of why dogs are carnivores. And so um, 
you, you know what I think it is, is, is the uh, food companies, they make a product which has got a lot of uh, cereal or non-grain carbohydrate in it and a, a smidge, the bare minimum of meat. My friend Connor Brady uh, described it as uh, it's like eating Weetabix with a, a cow's toenail in it. Okay. And that's the product they're making. It's a high carbohydrate uh, product called kibble. And if I was in the business of trying to sell more kibble, I would say dogs are omnivores. Therefore, it's totally fine to feed them these this high carbohydrate, high grain carbohydrate diet. And the problem with uh, eating lots of carbs, lots of grain carbs, for example, I, you know, there is carbohydrate in cabbage, what have you, but not very much. And there's a lot of goodness in cabbage. Whereas when you're eating uh, uh, oats or barley or corn, that's just pure starch and the problem with that it bumps up your insulin and in human research at least and the, the the veterinary research is not far behind the quickest way to bump up your blood fat i.e in a bad way is to bump up your insulin and when you have a high insulin over years and years and years which is what happens to most westerners yeah they have weetabix for breakfast they have a sandwich for lunch mm. and then they have pasta because it's low fat for tea that's three hits uh, not to mention you know a biscuit for with your 11sies and a biscuit with your cup of tea in the afternoon so that means you're you're wallowing in insulin all day long and they have drawn a straight line between too much insulin for too long and alzheimer's cancer heart disease uh stroke uh gout uh all the major westernized diseases and they all come from a common source that is too much insulin and when you when and and, and to do that to dogs when we know that it's bad to, for humans is it's criminal you know, it's bad for, you know, look at the, if you look at the, there are about 70% of dogs in the UK and in the States are overweight or obese and obesity in itself is linked to heart disease and kidney disease, and it will shorten the life and it will make your dog much more expensive to maintain because you're going to be at the vet more and can knock two years off a dog's life simply because they are obese and we are doing that every day when we feed these high carbohydrate foods and the companies who know all this stuff perfectly well, they've got very clever people working for them. They know that this is, this is happening, but they just, they just carry on and just say, you've got an omnivore, you better feed it plenty of carbs. And, but there's so and many diseases, isn't there, Nick, you know, diabetes, um, which is related. Diabetes, completely, completely. Yes. That's you know, one of the ones that missed off the list. Absolutely. Yes. And, and then, you know, behaviorally as well for dogs, you know, we get sugar mm. spikes yep. and so do dogs, but, you know, they're constantly, we're fed on a, a you know, a high carb diet, processed foods. They're, they're constantly yes. going up and then crashing. So from a training perspective, dogs are more difficult to handle, more difficult to train, which at the moment in our puppy pandemic um, era isn't helping, particularly first time dog mm. owners. But, you know, it's yeah. other things, isn't it, Nick, as well? It's like, 
you know, looking at your dog's teeth. Now, let's be absolutely honest about this. There is nothing mm-hmm. similar to a dog's set of gnashers and a rabbit's, mm-hmm. is there? I mean, they couldn't no, be more. Right. <laughs> yeah, you don't, you know what? You don't need to be a veterinary surgeon to work out that actually you are dealing with a carnivore. They've got these whacking great canine teeth, which are for grabbing prey. Yeah, they are not for scooping kibble out of a, out of a bowl. And you just have to say, why are we feeding this? It's ultra convenient. And I'm the first to admit it's really, really convenient. If you feed grass fed beef, you will get omega-3 and loads of other amazing nutrients from the meat and especially the beef that you feed. And it's a glorious glorious way to feed it really is and and it's that thing sugars are pro-inflammatory so the, all this kibble you know creates inflammation and we all know that at yes. the root of all disease is inflammation it's a word that's banded Indeed. around um isn't it a lot so if you it makes sense to me anyway to feed your dog an anti-inflammatory diet full of whole natural ingredients that dogs are meant to eat will of course optimize health and and there is isn't there nick a genetic relationship between the food you eat and gene expression because of this little thing we're getting perhaps a bit technical but um explain how this works so you really are you are what you eat you know maybe yeah i totally because of the epigenome explain what the epigenome is and its vital role Yeah. Okay. Epigenetics. Basically, it's uh, just because you've got a gene doesn't mean that you will express it. And what will change whether you express a gene or not is your environment, how much stress you've got, how, how what the quality of the diet is. Uh, these kind of things will change the expression of a gene. And so what we're trying to do with, with, with diet is to provide the natural evolutionarily appropriate species appropriate diet such that the we get the the optimal expression of the dna and i i defy anybody to say to me why a kibble is better than raw food but i would say to those people that Come and, and talk to me, but only after you've read uh, a book called Feeding Dogs by Dr. Connor Brady. It's a wonderful book. It's just came out. It came out at Christmas. And I'm really happy to talk to anybody on the planet about raw food versus dry food. But I will only speak to them after they have read that book. And I think that we can really change hearts and minds, as they say. I think we can really change minds by educating people. Yes. Yeah, I couldn't. I love Connor and I must get this book, actually. I mean, one of my favorite oh, books, must. yes, is, you know, Jean Dodds and her book on canine nutrigenomics. Yeah, yeah. I love that yeah. book. Um, it's so well leafed through. And of course, it speaks so much sense. Yes, indeed. It's this gene expression. Um, but, you know, going quickly back to kibble, the irony is, mm. you know, we've established mm. in this conversation 
that dogs yeah. do need to eat a lot of meat, whether we like yeah. it or not, to get the yeah. best out of your dog health wise, it needs to eat meat and, and a raw balanced, complete yes. food. I don't think it's faffy, you see, I find it so simple. See, I, I'm not a great cook. So for me yeah. to basically take a container out of the freezer, let it thaw and then serve it in my dog's bowl, I find that really easy to do. And it's that peace of mind, isn't it, Nick, that you know what you've put it in is, your dog's bowl. It is bowl. completely. Yeah. Some people yeah. are put off by 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 the thought that raw food will be is complicated, but it's not. All you do is you pick up the pick up the phone, you give them a ring and say what size the dog is and what you'd like to 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 feed. They will guide you with that. They will then put it in the post and you will, it will be delivered to you by courier and you put it in the freezer and then you just bit by bit it comes in either 500 or, or uh, one kilo 500 gram or thousand gram um, packs and you then just take out what you need and feed the dog it is almost as easy as kibble and uh, it's not quite as easy because kibble you know most people just have this bag they leave it you know, propped up in the corner in the kitchen where it gathers dust and house dust mites and uh, storage mites and all this kind of thing. And the, the oils will oxidize and uh, cause damage to the dog and cause allergies and atopic dermatitis and what have you. Whereas with the raw food, it comes straight out of the fr uh, freezer. You just defrost and feed and there's you know i've got a lot of vegans a lot of vegetarian clients and they find it very very easy to do you don't even need to touch the meat i do think you need to wash your hands after you've handled any meat product whether it's yours or the dogs but you don't need to handle the stuff you can just go plonk into the bowl off you go and it's really simple and as you know anna it's immensely satisfying and dogs absolutely love it and they, they just think it's their birthday every day. They do. And uh, they, take, they take to it very easily. Transition to, for dogs, transition for cats, it's difficult sometimes. But for, transition for most dogs is dead easy. And I really, really urge people, don't believe me, don't believe you, just try it for two weeks, at least two weeks, and you will see your dog better poos, cleaner teeth, better coat, more energy, more enthusiasm for food all these things you will see usually within two weeks so talk to a good quality complete frozen supplier and off you go it's that easy it's it's I, you know i just cannot get across how important it is to feed the very best thing that you can. I agree. And, and just one other thing, it's something that, you know, mm. I explain to people, it's yeah. about moisture content, isn't it, in food? That's yeah. another aspect. So obviously dry yeah. food, uh, you know, is dry, but it's very important yeah. for animals, just as it is with us, to absorb yeah the majority of our moisture content so we're all 90% water because we're mammals so dogs are 90% yeah. water but if if they're being fed on a dry diet then it's not allowing for a whole portion of moisture to enter their system and keep them truly hydrated that's completely right I, I, I will frequently put dogs on raw food and owners will ring me five days seven days later and say my god the dogs stopped drinking mm. and I will mm. say that is completely normal because they're getting most of their, their moisture their water that they need to function properly they're getting it from the raw food as opposed to this dry nonsense that you were feeding previously and I will actually say that to them and 
what's really interesting is that over the last 30 years, the more kibble that we've been feeding, because it's becoming much more popular, the more incidents we see of bladder stones. Now, I'm not saying that a raw fed dog will never, ever, ever have bladder stones, but I am telling you that putting a dog who is prone to stones on a raw food diet is a game changer because of the moisture. They are continually with every meal getting lots and lots and lots of moisture and that makes a big difference to the concentration of the urine in the bladder and to the uh, production of crystals it's interesting so interesting and i guess also you know the kidneys probably thrive better with a moisture rich diet but what other conditions would you say when people come to see you you know can you see a dog coming into your practice and know before you've even spoken to the owner that that dog eats dry and if you can what are the things that you see I think in, in most cases you can see it, but you know there's 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 many a a twenty something who lives on fast food and looks fantastic, and because you kind of have a honeymoon period of health when you're young, you can abuse your body quite a lot and still look and feel pretty healthy. Uh, but once you get into middle age, then things tend to tend to show. When I put a, a, a kibble-fed dog who is to all intents and purposes, in reasonable health. And I've done a study of 79 vets all around the world on this, and they all agree that there is an 85%, 85 of dogs will show measurable, uh, demonstrable improvement in coat shine, in, co in, in, in poo quality, in pickup ability of stool, in reduced uh, gurgling in the stomach, in sweeter breath, better energy. Practically every aspect of health will improve on a raw food diet. That's, and you don't need to believe me, you can ask any raw feeding vet uh, on the planet and they will, they will say categorically, these are things we say. When you talk to the uh, the, 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 the kibble companies, they'll say, oh, there's no, there's no demonstration that kibble, that, that, that raw food is any better for you than uh, kibble. But actually, there is, uh, there, there is an awful lot of evidence for that. And if you read the, I'm not selling Connor's book, by the way, you don't really need to. Uh, Connor's book, Feeding Dogs, he goes through, he's got over a thousand references to demonstrate that raw is better than dry and, and and a whole whacking great section of his book is saying why raw is good and that uh the kibble is actually bad for you oh gosh i'm definitely getting connor's book i mean i really enjoyed <laughs> listening to connor at the the raw food vet society as well mm -hmm. and that's a good place isn't it for people to go to learn more about why raw food feeding might be for their dog explain how people can you know get onto that website and also nick where people yeah. can find you as well okay well great thank you um so the uh the raw feeding veterinary society rfvs.info is the website so pop along there we've also got a uh, an instagram account and we've got a facebook so uh do your socials and 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 get over there to join the conversation even if you're, you're kind of you're skeptical or you're not quite sure you're a bit on the fence come along and 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 do it or talk to one of the uh, raw food companies so there's a couple of couple of resources that i would suggest are very very good now i do every 
well, I, during COVID, I did it every Wednesday religiously. I'm doing it less less so now because I think people need less um, support. But I do jaw draw on raw raw on Wednesdays at eight o'clock. That's GMT ah. UK time. Jaw draw on raw raw. And if you if you look on my website, my no, my Facebook page, which is Holistic Vet Limited Ltd. Holistic Vet Limited, you'll see you'll, you'll be able to go back through. And I've interviewed some fantastic people. We had a, a really good one yesterday night, actually, with one of the local uh, uh, small animal vets called Amy uh, Amy Blackmore, and she was she was kind of should I feed, should I advise my clients about raw or should I not? Or why is, why is raw better? And she, so she was just trying to get informed and we had a long hour and five minute conversation about all this stuff. And it was really, really good. So that's Georgia on raw, raw and you'll get it at holistic vet limited um, on the Facebook page. And the other thing on Facebook that we do is Connor and Brendan, lovely Brendan Clark and I, uh, the three of us call ourselves the Raw Pet Medics. And if you go to the Raw Pet Medics Facebook page, you will see all our conversations. And we basically sit down on a Tuesday night at seven o'clock and chat about food and health and longevity and nutrition and have a hoot oh fantastic and, um, so you might yeah you might find that entertaining i'm i'm going to i'll join in next week that sounds really good yeah and i'm urging all all the dogs lives listeners as well to do the same yep. it is growing the raw food market is growing and thank you nick today for joining us and i'd love you to come back on again another time uh and absolute pleasure i you can't stop me from talking about raw food it's 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 joyous it's changes lives it absolutely changes life and not just your dog it will change your life but it will definitely change the dog's life it really is a wonderful thing well that's our show mr binks what did you think yes i know you do love your lovely raw dinner what's that yes you're right it is time for woof of the week we all know that you are what you eat, and so is your dog. So have a think about what your dog is designed to eat biologically and physically, and feed him some raw meat. Well, I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks also to Dr. Nick Thompson for joining us about Ditch the Dry. All the links to him are in the show notes. A million thanks as ever to my patient producer, Mike Hansen. Find out more about him and Pod People Productions at Pod People UK. For more about me, I'm at Anna Webb Dogs. What's that, Mr. Binks? Yes, we will be back in your feed next Sunday. So why don't you subscribe now? It's free. And then you'll never miss another show. Bye for now.